0: This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 17. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am here with my podcast co-host, Chris Graham. How are you doing today, Chris?
1: I am fantastic. It's 60 degrees in Columbus, Ohio, right now. It's 72 right now in Nashville,
0: which at the time of recording this, it's the day after Valentine's Day and it shouldn't be this warm
1: and sunny out. You might say that 72 degrees is terrible podcasting weather in February for you, and it is for me. I should go outside soon. How was your Valentine's Day, by the way? Did you do anything cool with the wife? Yeah, I did the coolest thing that you can possibly do. No, you didn't. I did, but you go first. I'll tell you what I did. Well, trust me. I did the coolest thing with my wife that you can possibly do. My wife doesn't believe in Valentine's Day because she's awesome. We don't do Valentine's Day. What the hell? Yeah, we think it's cheap and creates this unhealthy expectation. It was a big issue for us when we first got married because we had different expectations about Valentine's Day. And I remember one time I was out touring. I was like a solo singer, songwriter, musician. And I decided to drive home from New York City on... February the 13th to get home, but there was nine inches of snow on the ground. And I was going to have to uh, drive through nine inches of snow the whole way. But luckily I had a Subaru. So I went for it and drove home to be with my wife on our first Valentine's day. And she got really mad that I didn't get her anything. (laughs) Oh, whoa. I risked my life. I was literally one of five cars from New York City to Columbus, Ohio, which is a good eight hours with good weather. Oh my God. Uh, that I saw the whole time. It was insane.
0: That hurts for me. Well, I know that my girlfriend, her favorite day of the year is Valentine's Day. Aww. So I know how to go about this. There are no mismatched expectations. We went out to something called Dinner Time Stories last night, which is a projection mapping dinner. If you've ever seen concerts where they have like projections up behind the people and there's all sorts of crazy shit, that's called projection mapping. Huh. They had. 15 projectors above the tables and On the tables are projecting this story and it's like this dude walking around going through these different nations to find all these different Ingredients and he's like building this meal on your plate and then they bring out six courses of meals To you and they're all different themes from different countries. It was
1: amazing It sounds like to go on that date that you needed to have a six-figure home studio to afford it (laughs) I'm not gonna talk about that shit
0: (laughs) But it was a lot of fun and it was a cool experience. So we were definitely the youngest people there.
1: That's amazing.
0: <laughs> Anyways, that was just the worst use of the time of the podcast possible, but <laughs> you know what? There's some personal stories
1: about it. Yes. Yeah. Personal banter, personal banter, personal banter. Now down <laughs> you, to business. Yeah, yeah, you know
0: the formula. Here we go. So today's episode, we, we were talking about some episode topic ideas, and we thought it might be interesting to do an episode about what we think are the stages of a typical recording career, or not even a typical, maybe a, an extraordinary Recording career. What do the five stages look like? So, we mapped out from both of our experiences what we think the five stages of a successful recording career are. And just to preface this, you know, this is not the end all be all list of the five stages you will guaranteed to be going through. Both Chris and I had some differences on what we thought the stages might be. So, we'll probably talk about that throughout the episode. But we're going to give you five stages of a successful recording career
1: starting now. So the first stage in a successful recording career is pre-revenue. It's before you make any money. And for those of you guys that have heard Brian Hood's interview, I believe that was episode three, Brian's pre-revenue story is insane. This idea that he got Pro Tools before he you know was the successful owner, producer, entrepreneur that he is. He got Pro Tools and he would stay awake for 30 hours. 40. 40 hours learning to use Pro Tools and then he'd fall asleep and then wake up and spend 40 more hours. Yeah.
0: It was like 120 something hours that first week of, of my pre revenue career.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so on and so forth. Um, drive, pretty fascinating. So, yeah, like this is an interesting part of everyone's career. And it's important, you know, it's to just, you can't just show up and say, I'll record you for money or I'll mix your record for money without having done something pre revenue on that.
0: Yeah, this is like where you're starting to build your equity as a business owner You're starting to put in the time put in the the effort To put all the pieces into place so that you can make it to these other stages of
1: the of your career
0: Because if you can't get past the stage, you're not a business
1: Yeah So I think one of the things I love about our podcast and some of the feedback we've gotten is that we just assume That you're after this that you've already finished this you sort of know how to do anything you would need to do professionally You just haven't been able to get paid so we debated on whether to even include this section. I think it'll be helpful with people. Yeah, it's important because to recognize not all of our podcast listeners actually have a business yet. It's their dream to do this. Um, and this is the podcast to listen to to do that. So let's talk about the pre-revenues phase or the
0: pre-revenue stage, whatever you wanna call this. This is where you're just putting in your time. You're learning your craft. You have to be ultimately, no matter what your goals are for your studio monetarily, you have to be good enough To get paid to do this you have to be good enough And if you can't put the time and effort in to learn the stuff you need to learn to hone your craft to the level You need to to hone it to it's going to be a long and difficult road. If you can't get that into your head You have to be first and foremost Talented at what you do. Absolutely And a lot of this you're going to learn throughout the other four stages of your career But you have to have at least a decent enough foundation to get to where you can get paid so it's about Learning your craft paying your dues and you're gonna to have to be probably doing some amount of free work now
1: Chris, do you remember my five rules for doing free work? Oh, I remember discussing them. I don't remember what they are offhand though. Please elaborate So if
0: you want my five rules for free work, you can go to homestudiorates.com There's a rate sheet and on that rate sheet There are the five rules of doing free work But from what I remember, I don't remember them all either <laughs> from what I remember <laughs> It was uh, It was First of all, don't do big projects if you're going to do free work do small projects so singles Maybe one or two songs, but don't do a full album. Don't do a multi-week project for free because that will just suck your soul away from you. And that's just someone taking advantage of you. So my whole philosophy behind free work is if you're going to do it, don't be too proud. If, if you're not good enough to get free work, you're definitely not good enough to get paid work. So if you can't get paid work, try to get free work. If you can't get free work, you're not good enough yet. So you're
1: going to stay in the pre-revenue phase until you can get good enough to at least do free work. Yeah, or you might be too shy to put yourself out there that, hey, I can do a better job than the next guy that part of being able to get people to pay you money to do a thing that you love Is you have to be arrogant enough to say i'm better than the next guy
0: <laughs> Not even not even arrogant enough. You just have to be willing to fail uh, It doesn't require arrogance It just has it requires that you put yourself out there in order to fail and not be too afraid of failure To be in a position to succeed So with free work Uh, Go download the rate sheet homestudiorates.com look up the five rules of free work Because once you get past that you will need to know what sort of rates to charge I think that's gonna be super helpful for you, but you're also in this phase when you're doing this free work You're building relationships with those people that you're working with And that is a super important part of getting out of this pre-revenue phase is to build relationships with people that are eventually going to pay you down the road
1: Absolutely. Well, let me jump back into one of these issues in pre-revenue. And for you guys that already are making money, I promise we'll be quick and move on to the other more exciting ones of this. But I think it's important to point out this idea of paying your dues. I don't totally agree with some of the baggage that comes with that term. What do you mean? Well, the world that existed 20, 30 years ago, you couldn't really get a job doing anything without paying your dues. This is true. I like to say... There's only been a few times in human history when children Grew up in their world not in their parents world So i'm 35 my mom is in her 60s and I don't live in my mom's world. My mom lives in my world So much has changed and technology is such an enormous part of our world That it's uncomfortable for people that are in an older generation to exist in this world of podcasts and digital advertising and email and reviews. There's just so much that's different. So paying your dues usually meant going to somebody older and more experienced and getting the thumbs up from them. Yeah,
0: I agree that it has changed. It's now more, can you work smarter than... Some of the older generation that are maybe struggling a little bit because they haven't adapted And not to be negative on anyone that is older that hasn't adapted yet But there is just a new reality of what it takes to be successful And a lot of people refuse to make the changes necessary And if you can be the one that's willing to put in the work and I still think it's part of paying your dues Paying your dues isn't about putting time into me It's about learning the things you need to know in order to be successful And so for me my pre-revenue stage That lasted a month (laughs) from the day I bought my gear to my first paid project was a month or less So it wasn't like it was this long drawn-out process where I just was trying to get free work I actually never did free work In my pre-revenue phase. I had already done a lot of work to build my reputation So I was a little different. I had my bands back to kind of jump off of So can be a little different for everybody if you don't have any prior relationships You may need to do free work You may have to take a little longer in the pre-revenue phase But when we get out of that, then we get into Stage two and that is what we call yes mode
1: (laughs) So yes mode is an interesting one. Yes mode is the opposite of stage three that we'll get to momentarily Which is niching down. Yes mode is exactly what it sounds like you have skills You will accept money to use those skills in any way shape or form So this is all about taking on whatever projects
0: you can get at this stage in your career You may not have any clue about what niche you're in you may not be work with any specific type of genre or artist you're just taking whatever you can get And the reason that is so important is because you are discovering where your passions lie You're discovering where your talents really are and you're discovering where You excel and what you want to do and until you've experienced a lot of different things It's going to be hard to say hey I want to do this for the next five to ten years or hey I want to do this for the rest of my life or hey I want to do this for at least the next year or two It's very difficult to do that if you haven't experienced a lot of different areas
1: Yeah, and with that, this is going to be hilarious to share. This is a really hillbilly illustration and was my business plan all along. You know, when you go fishing, what you do is you take a bunch of poles and you put them out in the water and you wait and you see which one of those poles is getting the most bites and then you throw away all the other fishing poles. I hate that so much. So hillbilly. I get it though. That was my strategy when I started in audio was I'm gonna say yes to everything and see what sticks Yeah, and i'm gonna see what sticks so i'm gonna to try to do some mixing i'm gonna to try to do some recording I'm gonna to try to do some producing i'm gonna to try to do some writing with some clients. I'm gonna to try to Become this ultimate studio musician hiring guy of like i'll hook you up with the right studio musicians and then i'll oversee the The session and obviously mastering and my goal there was i'll put all these fishing poles out in the water and i'll see which one gets the most bites and which one gets the best fish and for me that was Hands down mastering that ended up being in my blood and I would have never known that Had I not experimented with a lot of other audio tasks
0: And I see this a lot in just young entrepreneurs people in their early 20s that have that entrepreneur spirit When you're young when you're when you're inexperienced and You just don't know what you want for the rest of your life or for where you are in your life trying many different areas of business is a great way to kind of figure out where your passions lie and where your skills and abilities lie and where you want to go from there. And until you've experienced a bunch of different things in business, it's hard to know where you should put your time and effort and focus. And it's the same in the recording world. If you're trying to do audio for a living, say yes to a lot of different things. And eventually that one thing or those one or two things will start to stand out to you. As Chris called it, the fishing poles or the lures
1: that get Bit what was the saying? <laughs> I put a bunch of fishing poles out waited to see which one was getting bites bites. Yeah, there you go You know, which one was was bringing in the best fish And so I would encourage you, you know, if you're like I love audio I want to do something in a recording studio say yes to voiceover work say yes to video game You know audio design say yes to Everything whatever you can think of say yes to foley artists you should go, you know attend a Foley session and see if maybe that's for you You should say yes to doing audio
0: for a movie and while you're doing this This is where you're starting to build your portfolio because you're hopefully getting paid for these projects You're saying yes to pretty much it, you have money. I'll do your job I'll do your whatever whatever mixing or mastering or editing or recording that you have If you're paying me and at that point you're building your portfolio and you're hopefully discovering in some way shape or form what your niche is That is the goal of of stage two, the yes mode, is to discover what your niche is. And that is when we move into stage three, that is niching down. That is when you have discovered your niche and you start to take advantage of that.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. So the big thing to keep in mind there is I think it's really easy to get too focused on niching down. If you niche down too soon, that's really, really Really dangerous and bad.
0: Yeah, and we got a lot of feedback after a niching down episode of people that were like In this point in their career They're in the yes mode phase and they have no direction of where they want to go yet And so they had this feeling like we were telling them you have to niche down you have to niche down You have to niche down not everyone is at the place for that to happen yet And if you are at the place where you feel like you have no idea where to go you're still in phase two or stage two, the yes mode stage. And you need to just focus on taking whatever you can in right now until you discover where it is that you need to move next.
1: Yeah, so I think the big thing there is if you're trying to invent a way to niche down, there's some you know value, I think, in kind of creatively considering some other options. But ultimately, your gut should be really clear with you about where you want to niche down. If it lights your brain up to edit drums for jazz records, And that's like the crazy, most fun thing you've ever done. It's worth considering. You know, there's a trap to fall in here too of, you know, you see a lot in our culture here in America where people will say, I want to do this. Oh, this is so cool. I want to do this for a living. And they don't realize that like, hey, um, something being cool one time, cool 40 hours a week for 30 years does not make. (laughs) And- Yeah, seriously, I
0: see a lot of people that don't understand that when you start doing this full-time It is a career. It is a job sometimes and some days you don't want to do it and you have to be okay with that So you're not always going to have This burning passion every single day to wake up and do what you're doing but When you contrast that against a career that you actually hate to begin with it is so much better (laughs) Yeah, even the worst days in the studio are better than the best days at some corporate job that you
1: loathe Yeah One of the reasons I got into mastering in the first place Was I noticed um that the thing that I have always enjoyed more than anything else Is making anything sound slightly better Whether that's working on an electric guitar whether that's working on an electric guitar amp Whether that was working on an acoustic guitar and you know putting fancy bridge pins in or something like that If it sounded better once I was done fiddling with it That was the most fun thing in the world Which is why mastering was a good draw to you. You didn't care about the genre You're just like I want this to sound a little bit better Yeah, and so that's an important thing to keep in mind is that when you niche down I think there's this fantasy that many young people have of I'm going to go into audio and I'll only work on great songs with great bands for the rest of my life. I don't think anyone has loved every single band they've worked with in any um, service part of the audio industry. So you have to love it more than just loving to work with cool bands or cool artists. And thank God I do. If it sounds better, if I don't like a song, but it sounds better when I'm done with it, that's super fun and I don't even mind that I don't like the song It's so fun to make something sound better Um, so with niching down one of the most important things to keep in mind is this 80 20 rule We've talked about it before preto's principle. Yeah preto's principle Basically, it states that 80 percent of your revenue is probably coming from 20 percent of the things that you do If that's the case, it's time to niche down if that's not the case You're probably not quite ready to niche down The other thing to keep in mind here is that 80% of your joy Probably comes from 20% of the things that you do if you're really lucky and those things align up Then boy, it's time to niche down. It's time to go But again, there's another component to this It might not be 80% of your revenue come from 20% of your sources But it might mean that your hourly is significantly higher Doing one type of work than it is another type of work and that's another important thing to pay attention to where You know if you are editing drums for different producers and you're mixing records for different producers And you're recording bands and you're also composing video game scores You do the math and it turns out that you happen to be amazing at editing drums And you're actually making five dollars more per hour on average when you do that You need to consider that that might be your niche And there should be it should be really evident from a financial perspective That you should niche down
0: my yes mode stage lasted about a year You know my first year in business I was just taking on any sort of project jazz rock acoustic pop And then obviously hardcore and metalcore bands because that was what I was known for in my previous band And that was some of the bands that were in my area So I was all over the place as far as genres and I was saying yes to anything that had money but by the end of the first year I had basically just slowly Started just only doing hardcore and metalcore bands because that was the stuff that was coming to me constantly It's not like I just decided out of thin air that I hey i'm gonna niche down in the heavy music world And that's only thing i'm ever going to do It's not like I did that. It was just it naturally grew and basically the niche chose me. That's how it came about I just started doing more and more of those bands And naturally over time my messaging my positioning all of the gear I had everything about what I did catered to heavy music So from year two until now that is the niche i've been in And from 2010, which was year two for me, that is when my income has just started to grow and grow and grow So once you start to niche down And you've either chosen your niche or your niche has chosen you This is where your business will start to grow and that's how it was for me I believe that's how it was for chris But that was when my income started to go up and I really gained traction in my studio.
1: Yeah, so for me It was a little bit different. There's basically two ways that you can begin to niche down one of them is what brian just described where you are taking on a bunch of different types of projects And rather than deciding on your niche you decide what your niche is not So let's say you're working with acoustic jazz pop metalcore, you know, etc And you decide you know what? I'm, not loving pop the projects don't go. Well, I don't have great pop sensibilities or whatever So i'm not going to take pop projects anymore You haven't niched down, but you're closer to your niche. You've taken a step in that direction Yeah, that's one of the things we talk about the 80
0: 20 principle is you know There's also 80% of your problems can come from 20% of the artists you work with So if there's just one genre and you're just saying hey hip-hop artists are the worst in the world to work with And they bring in about 20% of my income, but it's about 80% of my problems I should probably just not do that kind of music anymore. And I could put my time and effort and focus on these other genres that are paying me money and aren't giving me the grief and strife and negativity in my life And heartache and headache that hip-hop or rap or whatever this other genre is is giving me right now So that's one thing to consider when you're in the niching down stage is What can I cut out of my services or my genres?
1: Yeah, for sure the other way you can niche down and this is much scarier and what's what I did but probably not what i'd recommend to anybody else was I came to a really strong very convicted conclusion, this epiphany that mastering is what I need to be doing. This is where I'm supposed to be. And a lot of that was, I had an idea for the before and after player that's on my website where you select a genre and then you press play and you can switch back and forth between mastered and unmastered in real time on a website. When I came up with that idea, nobody on earth had anything like that. It was the very first of its kind. And so what I did was I did a little bit more intense thing where I just said mastering only. And there was a dip I made a little bit less For a couple months until I got things rocking and rolling and that dip as I as I because I had also noticed one I love mastering two. I'm getting paid really well when I do it Three the projects are the most consistent. I'm consistently getting projects And four if I didn't already say this I freaking loved it. It was wonderful. So I took a dip Before I niched down so that I could focus on mastering No pun intended one thing
0: Now did you take a dip before niching down or after niching down because it sounded like me You took a dip after niching down you chose mastering and then you took that dip.
1: Yeah, I chose mastering and then I took that dip So your income declined for a while and then it after that I assume it just rose and rose and rose Yeah, rose and rose. So yeah, it took a dip that ended up being the best year i'd ever had by a couple thousand And then it wasn't until a little bit later on when I got into this next stage maximization When the next year doubled It was twice what anything i'd ever made before
0: and I don't want to move there quite yet Because I want to talk about this stage stage three I feel like a lot of people are in this stage or stuck in the stage or can't get past this stage And so what happens if you do choose a niche or a niche chooses you and you focus on that and your income doesn't do What it did for both you and I where it started to go up and up What happens if your income just stays level or starts to decline month to month or year
1: to year In your niche, what do you do then? Well, if it stays level and you're happier call that a win. Yeah I call that a huge win. You know, ultimately, I saw this really depressing. So it's February 15th for us right now. We're recording the podcast yesterday, obviously, uh, Valentine's Day. And there was this hilarious music producers meme that came out. And it was, you know, what everyone does on the left on Valentine's Day. And it was two people on a date. And what I do on Valentine's Day. And then it was a guy sitting in front of a Pro Tools (laughs) rig mixing. So accurate though. Oh man. For six years of my life, that's how I spent six Valentine's Days in a row. Exactly. So if you niche down and don't make any more money, but you're happier and healthier That's a win What did that have to do with valentine's day and being sad on pro tools? Well, I mean that guy hasn't niched down yet (laughs) When you niche down you'll find love. Yeah, when you niche down you'll find love and have time for those you
0: love No, 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 I get it. But I think I think it is important to say like, you know define what success is to you and that's beyond the scope of what you can do in one episode here Because everyone's level of success is different part of its happiness part of its income we over the six-figure home studio But I base what I consider success. on much more than financial You know, it's to me financial is secondary to me doing what I want to do <laughs> for my for my life All right. So let's move into stage four here that is the maximization phase and this is where both you and I unanimously agreed that more Eighty twenty. 20. This is where you do even more 80 20 on your business. Yeah And we have three specific things um, In the maximization phase to really start ramping up. So maybe Maybe if you have niched down, maybe you are level on your income. Maybe stage four Maybe this is how you get your your income up year to year to year Maybe this is how you double your income next year or even this year And there are three specific steps that we talk about in the maximization phase. Chris you want to take these?
1: Yeah, so these are straight out of the six-figure home studio bible aka the four-hour work week (laughs) And well, let's give the three we have
0: elimination Automation and then delegations in in that order and I did it backwards. I did delegation automation Then elimination I think in, in my own business But let's talk about it in this order and why we like it in this order elimination automation delegation
1: so let me first just sort of point out to those listening based on the feedback we've gotten from our listeners and where most people tend to be This is the good part of the podcast This is the good part of this episode where we get down to the nitty-gritty That is rarely understood and is the only reason I have any level of success
0: Yeah, then this is where it starts getting really fun. If you can make it to this stage This is, in my opinion is the most fun in business that you can when you get to this sort of actually i'll say the next stage is actually the most fun But this is the first time you can really start to have fun in a business, you know the, the rest of this it's a lot of fun As as a audio engineer as a mixing engineer as a mastering engineer as a creative side But stage four to me is the first time you really have fun as a business owner as an entrepreneur
1: Yeah, you get to open it up man You get to put the pedal to the metal and feel the wind in your hair And this is when growth starts to happen fast if you do it, right It was Mind-blowing for me when I started to experience this and for me, I've mentioned this in previous episodes This started to happen to me when my wife was pregnant with our first kid and once he was born it was like A million miles an hour game on game on, you know, I saw that little boy's face and there was just this like instantaneous rewiring of my brain and it was like I must provide And it was amazing so let's bring this
0: back to elimination, the first part of the maximization phase, elimination. What do you mean by elimination?
1: So elimination is tough for us audio engineers. Elimination is recognizing what things we do are completely unnecessary and a complete waste of our time. And there are a lot of examples of that. I was talking to a mix engineer this morning and he was talking about how he has gotten so dialed in on the way that he mixes that he doesn't he doesn't spend like an hour on each track experimenting with different compressors He knows this is my go-to. This is my sound. This is what I use I'm not going to use any compressors except this compressor from here on out or these two or these three and that
0: that worked for some people And not for others. So I understand some people want to experiment. They want to get creative So I understand that but at the same time Part of elimination is understanding what works and what doesn't and the stuff that doesn't work for you The stuff you know is a waste of time getting rid of it.
1: Yeah Yeah, recognizing that if a perfect example would be i have lots of friends who have been audio for in audio for a long time a lot of them started in analog and had a big giant console and it was super expensive and super flighty and would break and they'd need to you know pull channels and solder you know you basically used to know how to solder to be an audio engineer years ago and one of the ways that they did the elimination thing was they switched to digital
0: and that eliminated all of the maintenance all of the power needs for that you know the electricity Usage for that and the heat in the room depending on the size of the console they use But that eliminates a lot of headaches not even to mention
1: recall on sessions That's a perfect example of elimination is that when an audio engineer says, you know I would rather be more productive And accept the limitations that digital gave, you know at the time I don't believe it. There are nearly as many limitations now as there were say 15 20 years ago But accepting those drawbacks in order to get something better in return So spotting these things these opportunities for elimination where you can be a minimalist Where you can do a few things well where you can have a few tools that you reach for That allows you to speed up and to become more efficient and to not Drudge through the weeds trying to come up with that last one one hundredth of a percent Improvement that nobody will ever hear that could have been better spent on pre-production a 0.5 dB
0: difference in anything has never sold an extra record ever i'll say another issue or another way to eliminate is you know we've talked about eliminating eliminating specific genres you know that you work with but i i think sometimes eliminating services so when chris niched down he niched down by cutting out every other service besides mastering. But you know when I hit the maximization phase of my own business, I had already niched down. I was already in the heavy music niche. And when I applied even more 80-20 principle to my business, I had ran the numbers for the year, 2014. And I realized uh, 70% of my income came from mixing and I spent 20 to 30% of my time doing that as opposed to tracking and editing and lodging bands where I spent... of my time 80% of my time doing that and I made 30% of my income doing that. So When I when I looked at that and let me pause you there, it's important to point out that was you It's not going to be everybody. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's not going to be everybody but but everyone's going to experience something like that where Your time and your income are not always directly in the same thing when you hit this maximization phase It's hard to do that sort of self-assessment It's hard to look at when you're working every single day putting in a lot of time a lot of hours Until you hit this phase of elimination automation delegation You're never going to have enough time in the day to do anything you want to do on your business You're just gonna be working in your business every single day and Part of it is making time no matter what to make these sort of assessments on your business and then determining what it is you need to cut out. And so what is it you need to cut out? So eliminate or what is it you need to automate? So you can make it more efficient or what do you need to delegate these three things until you can take the appropriate amount of time And step back and look at your business and really assess it from a number standpoint and a quality of life standpoint It's going to be really difficult to get through this phase into the final phase of a successful recording career Which we're going to talk about in a second and for me that was assessing that Tracking editing lodging was no longer a viable thing in my business I wanted to focus on mixing and mastering exclusively and I cut out a significant portion of revenue. It was about 40,000 a year. It wasn't an insignificant amount of money, but it freed up a lot of time in my business to put towards other areas of my business, automation, delegation, and pivoting, which we're gonna talk about in a second.
1: Yeah, so one of the important things to keep in mind there too is a word called stewardship. Stewardship is this idea that we have been given a gift and we have to use that gift as best we can. And so for Brian, giving up $40,000 a year in tracking revenue and producing revenue sucked i'm sure it hurt i'm sure it was uncomfortable and painful but you had been given a gift and that was You were amazing at mixing and really efficient at it to be a good steward Of the gifts that you were given You had to say no to some things. Yeah, and it didn't it didn't hurt that. I just despised tracking and editing. and <laughs> It didn't hurt at all when you, Whenever
0: your income and your enjoyment are tied to the same thing. That is a huge a huge thing
1: So the last piece with elimination is elimination doesn't just mean eliminating inefficient things It also means eliminating things that make you miserable that don't give you life and that slow you down So if you're in a position where you drink a two liter of mountain dew every day That's something you might want to eliminate It might be messing you up if it's something where you go to bed at five in the morning Because you were up playing world of warcraft every night. That might be something you want to eliminate in order to maximize your day your energy your iq your creativity you name it There are things you have to cut out from your life sometimes And it's tough man. It's there's no easy way to say you know what for me It's unhealthy to read the news on my iphone
0: So let's just say we're in the maximization phase Where we'll, we'll say where our income's pretty good at this point. It should already be pretty good at this point You've started to eliminate the things in your business. You need to eliminate And now we're getting to automation we're automating some things in our business that we need to automate Let's talk about and I can actually pull one example out immediately And that was when chris graham started ramping up his google advertising dollar spend So he was getting more work than he could possibly manage to get but he was wasting so much time in his business importing tracks labeling tracks doing fade outs bouncing the tracks down emailing to the band all of these things were adding up because when you do You're working with five to ten clients per day just the client management side of things, just the file management side of things, all these non-creative tasks in his business were a huge waste of time to him. So what did he do? He automated all of that. If you want to go back to Chris's episode uh, number two, where we interview him, he goes into a lot more detail about how he did that. But go ahead and talk about a little bit of behind the automation mindset behind this, not so much the specifics of it.
1: Yeah, so for me, the big thing you need to keep in mind is once you've niched down and you are doing one thing and doing it exceedingly well, There's a lot of repetition, you know, um, in mastering There's a lot of loading files into your mastering software There's a lot of downloading files and there's a lot of uploading files When you do something repetitively that's inefficient You're wasting a little bit of time every time you do that thing again It's like 30 seconds a
0: track for every single track that you work with and you work with thousands of tracks So it adds up to a lot of time And you can't eliminate this because these are all necessary steps in what you do But then we get to the automation
1: Yeah, so automation is amazing. One of my heroes is henry ford. I'm i'm sure this is like the 15th time i've mentioned him Yes, it is but he has he has (laughs) this great quote where he said um Anytime that you do something inefficiently You will pay a tax in either time money Or energy And that's intense. So for me to take that extra time to manually upload files through Usendit.com back in the day, and then wait for them to upload and then come back downstairs at night and make sure that the emails were being sent to the proper people was super inefficient. And it cost me not only a lot of time every day, but I couldn't be done for the day until way after I had gone home and eaten dinner, because so I needed to come back. And make sure that all the files now that they were uploaded could go to the right spot So it was a time suck and it was a
0: focus suck because you're not you're focused on did this happen correctly? And you can't just cut your mind off from
1: work once you go home. Yep And what would happen with that as I'd come home? I would never completely turn off And I would be exhausted all through the evening waiting for this to be done So I could finally take a deep breath at say nine thirty at night And as a result, I wasn't well rested. So I was stupider the next day Well, also that's not a word, but that's cool. I know I was trying to make a joke (laughs) It made me Dumb and dumber the next morning So the rest being able to turn off and recover like you've been mentioning on previous episodes Super important. So a lot of times this automation isn't even just about You know making more per hour as it is Like have enough time to recover and be healthy.
0: Yeah, there's Multiple goals with all of this stuff. Sometimes it's getting time back. Sometimes it's making more money per hour. Sometimes it's just making your life more enjoyable.
1: Yeah. When I started automating um, the different administrative parts of my business so that I could come right in and get right to the creative part, right to the mastering the part that I love. Yeah. One of the things that surprised me was I found myself calling my clients much more often. I found myself much more social and much more uh, chatty with clients than I had before because I had the time to do it. And what happened was I began to enjoy my business considerably more and people started hiring me because I was like the quote unquote nice mastering engineer. It was a novelty. There's, there's no such thing as a nice mastering engineer.
0: (laughs) I'll agree with that.
1: And so it was amazing that the automation freed me up to focus on relationships, which grew my business. In addition to the fact that I was way, way healthier and I was smiling when I would come home each day.
0: And I want to point out why this is after elimination and that is because Automating a task that should have been eliminated is pointless. Yep That's why I think you should be eliminating everything you can that is not central to your Whatever you want to focus on or what is important to you before you start the automation phase
1: And the funny thing there is i'm sure some people are like well, yeah Only an idiot would automate something. He should have eliminated I Would struggle to estimate the number of times i've done that i've automated something. I should have eliminated Over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, either because i'm a moron or because it's just the way it is I'm, not really sure. No, i've done it, too. So it's fine
0: (laughs) All right So then we get to you know, we've done elimination We've eliminated all the shit that we need to get rid of We've automated the things or at least started to automate a lot of the things that are repetitive Time-consuming but then there's going to be tasks like in my world with mixing and mastering where when i'm doing my session prep You can't automate that you can't eliminate that but you can delegate that so In my experience, what I've done is, I just build a step-by-step checklist out. Something super easy to follow. I have a video with it as well that shows every single step and what I need my mix prep assistant to do. And then I can just pass the checklist and, and instructional video off to him. Every single time I get files, I send it to my mix prep assistant. He knows exactly how I want everything set up from point A to point Z. And then all I have to do is open the session up and I start mixing. It is the most magical, beautiful thing you could have ever experienced if you've never experienced this before. You need to do this, ASAP. Mm, it's amazing. It's amazing, yeah. And I pay I, I pay him for it, so it's that's the reason this is last. I have to pay them for us for his time, um, but it saves me so much time. It is more than worth it.
1: Yeah. The second part of delegation, and we've talked about this before on previous episodes, is delegating to your customers. A lot of people in this business will accept files from customers in any way, shape, or form. You can bring a flash drive by. You can bring a hard drive by. You can do google drive. You can do we do we transfer you send it dropbox, etc One of the things you can do to save yourself time is to get all your files from the same spot And just to say and this is how my website is if you want Mastering you have to either upload it through my webpage Or you have to share a dropbox link on a specific part of the page as well So all of my files only come in through one spot. So I don't have to like oh crap I'm missing the second mix for the third song. Did he Was that Dropbox? Oh, no, it was Google Drive. Oh, shoot. No, that was the guy with the same
0: name as him. And Chris has kind of tied in automation and delegation into one big package here on his site. If you go to Chris's site, uh, and if you're looking for mastering services, go to chrisgrammastering.com and hire Chris out, and you can experience this for yourself. But you go to his site, you start to fill out his form, and depending on what options you pick, all of this nicely automated logic-based form system starts to spread itself out as you start to fill things out. So depending on which doll you use or depending on which sort of files or whatever, different options are gonna come up. That is all automation. And then he also delegates some tasks to you. As the person spending money, he has basically outsourced certain tasks to you. And one of those being labeling the final master track names. Because that was a huge issue is he doesn't know what the song titles are because the file names are a lot of times just working titles They're not the final mastered names. So he needs to have that stuff So why do this email back and forth? Why hire an assistant when you can just outsource it to the person who knows this stuff immediately? And that is you the person hiring chris graham for mastering services.
1: Yeah, another example of that is uh, one of the systems we recently integrated was uh, Asking people to trim their masters before they send them to me. I would occasionally pretty often get a master that would be like, oh, there's 10 seconds of hum at the beginning of this song and there's 11 seconds of hum at the end. Well, that's silly. So there's a question on my upload form that just says, hey, would you please trim your masters? And then you can either select, yes, I did, or no, I can't. And that has helped a lot because a lot of the projects that come in are now not like, I'm not like trying to sequence it and then I'm moving all these things around and it's it's all this extra, why did they do that? Did they want the silence there? Or did they want the count-in at the beginning of the song or did they want the uh, banter after the last drum hit? Like so all those questions of going back and forth You can you can delegate to your customers to ask them to fill out a form and check. Yes, I did this No, I did not do that, etc.
0: Also with delegation. It's not just stuff in the studio, but stuff on your business And this is where you start talking about email stuff you're running your crm crm by the way is part of automation in my experience You're automating a lot of the the reminder tasks the management of data all that stuff But having an assistant I have an assistant that does my email management My runs my crm for me will send invoices out You know collects payments all that stuff for me because that is what I consider non-creative tasks Chris graham is I
1: believe in the process of hiring an assistant. Can we talk about that here? Yeah, sure if you guys go to chrisgrammastering slash apply, um, I'm looking for an administrative assistant. Yeah, and
0: this is all non-creative tasks doing you know
1: administrative work. No audio yet. So yeah, the big thing that I'm looking for help with um, is someone to help me with email, social media, research, et cetera. So um, I put that out, let's see, I think it was February 13th. had a bunch of applicants. I'm going to keep accepting applicants till I find the perfect person and then I'll shut that that particular page down. So it could be down before this... Episode even goes live. It's possible. It's possible. But yeah, so This is something i'm not great at hiring and delegating and it's something that I need to grow in and The time has come for you know, I have you know other guys that work for me That i've delegated stuff out to but I need a specific admin To help us manage plan social media campaigns, etc Answer emails so that the emails can get answered faster than I could possibly do it myself So yeah, I mean this is something the the thing I love about doing this podcast Is that I i'm not some like guru At business stuff. I'm this is a journey and I believe it will always be a journey for me And it's been a fun way to to preach at myself That hey get off your butt and do some of these things.
0: I mean in the grand scheme of business world We are like peons Compared to what's out there like we are such small minnows in this giant business ocean So there's in no way have we max, have we mastered any of this or all of this We've mastered maybe tiny little bits and pieces of it But I would say I really haven't mastered any of what we've talked about so far not elimination not automation not delegation I've implemented bits and pieces of this, but i'm not perfect at any of this by any any measuring stick. So elimination automation delegation Those are the big core parts of maximizing your business and a lot of that comes down to hey You can't do everything as a business owner. You can't do every single thing in your business. You need to focus on what your core talents are and let other people handle that. And it's hard to get to this point until you have the revenue to support additional hires. And that's why this is stage four. So it's one of those things that, you know, you can focus on elimination at any point. You can focus on automation at really any point. And there's a lot of great tools out there to help with automation. But delegation is a little more difficult and save for more advanced people, probably at least, you know, before you start hiring out specific tasks, probably at least 30 to 40 K a year is what you're going to need. Maybe even a little less than that on certain tiny projects, but for to have an assistant, I would agree 50, 60, 70 K a year is the, in the U S dollars, at least in our area, unless you want to hire someone in a lower income country, like
1: the Philippines, you know, you can hire someone out there at a very affordable rate. Well, but at the same time, there is a huge opportunity. That's one of the reasons I'm talking about hiring an assistant on this show is that there's a huge opportunity to hire part-time people, which is what I'm looking to do. I'm looking to hire a part-time assistant, Part-time remote assistant and the beauty of that is there are this is what sean is to me Yeah, there's a huge number of people that are looking for that type of work So there's it's it's amazing. Um, you know for me me and my wife we have three kids. We're homeschoolers We're, you know, we drank as much of that kool-aid as you possibly can. We love it But for other homeschool parents, there's a huge opportunity for them as a part-time admin that's remote That's like the perfect Job yeah,
0: so they can work from home be with their kids. You know, that's that's the benefit of having this sort of position available And so if you are at that level and where you're ready to hire an assistant Especially an administrative assistant somebody to handle some of the business admin crap that's weighing you down You're above 50 60 70 thousand a year in income at your studio Start looking at people that have that sort of position They're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home parent of some sort and they want to stay with their kids. They want to work f- remotely from home. They don't have to go into an office. You can get them at a very reasonable rate. Even someone that's very highly educated, they would take a massive pay cut of what they could get at a corporate job where the commute and all that bullshit's associated with it. They will take a massive pay cut just because they'd rather work from home with their kids and not have to leave to an office every day. So I'm gonna give a couple of websites real quick. For this sort of thing, there's a site called hiremymom.com that is worth checking out if you're looking to hire, you know, stay at home mom. There is a site called Belay, B-E-L-A-Y, if you want to spend a lot more money on an assistant where they handle everything for you. Uh, And when we go back to automation, there's also a site called Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R.com. All of these will be in the show notes, um, sixfigurehomestudio.com slash 17, just the number 17. Zapier's amazing. Yeah, Zapier is awesome. It'll tie a bunch of of software
1: together to make your automation dreams come true. I am just... Maybe their biggest fan. I love them uh, Zapier is for you nerds out there. It is an api for apis And essentially what it lets you do is make different pieces of online software talk to each other And you can make pieces of software that live on your computer talk to each other as well Think about every piece of software speaking its own unique language. They
0: cannot communicate with each other Zapier is simply the translator for all of this different software.
1: Yeah, you could basically say hey every time I get an email where the subject line says blink, I want you to blink the lights on in my house.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you can literally do that. You can
1: literally do that. Or you can say, hey, every time someone signs up on my WordPress site, create a new account in HubSpot. But let's move on to the final stage of a successful recording career.
0: And this is kind of not part of the recording career. I guess it's kind of moving out of it. We call the stage the pivot stage. This is the pivot stage. So this is where... You're moving on to something else Whether it's related to studio or not and we have some examples. We're going to tell you examples of what we mean First of all, what is the pivot phase
1: or the pivot stage of a recording career? What do we mean by this stage? Pivot is when you have gotten so good at your niche that you have room to do something else
0: Or just so good at your business that you got room to do something else. It doesn't necessarily have to be You know in the business or in the studio world This could be something completely different that your studio has enabled you to do And so we have some examples here of things and and the first example and most obvious to me Is when you get to stage five here you could Start a second business i've seen this from many many people i've done it myself and we have examples of plenty of people that have done This but that is you have a really nice home studio business humming along You have consistent income coming in And that enables you to do things that you could not otherwise do and so, you know, we'll talk about each of these in a second but There's a
1: lot of there's a lot of options You have a lot of options at this point to do things that you couldn't normally do otherwise You could even Leverage your expertise in the studio into launching a blog called the sixfigurehomestudio.com And then offering a class called the profitable producer To teach people how to run profitable home (laughs) studios Much like brian hood though. He would probably crush you. So you might want to find your own niche
0: that goes without saying that there's three and a half years of blogging for free associated with that (laughs) before you can do that. There's a lot of, but anyways, there's, I had time to do stuff like that. You don't have time if you're consistently stuck in the, Niching down phase and or the state saying yes to everything phase where you're doing all of the work You're doing everything if you don't get to the maximization stage You can't make it to the pivot stage So I was able to maximize my studio to the point where I had free time to launch the six figure Home studio.com or to launch my mixing course from shit to gold or to launch my real estate business stuff Like I didn't have time otherwise and that is the power of stage five of the of a successful career is being able to pivot into other areas of life and business And so let's just talk about the list we have right here you had on our list something called
1: line extension. What the hell is that? A line extension is we take your brand and you begin offering an additional product or an additional service. So you've gotten to the point where you're like, hey, we're pretty good at this. Uh, let's say we're Crest toothpaste and everyone knows that Crest is great and we've got this on lock. Tell you what, let's start selling some toothbrushes too. I've done this. So I was about to say, I know you just did this. So I'm, I was going to bring that up if you weren't. Yeah, so niching down uh, When I began to niche down I Stopped taking anything but mastering projects a couple years ago after turning down Hundreds and hundreds of mixing projects. I finally said i'm stupid I know tons of mix engineers because i'm a mastering engineer I'm going to hire them and begin offering mixing services as well And so chris Graham mastering also offers mixing services, but it's mix engineers that i've mentored and It's been going great It's one of the fastest growing parts of my business But I don't offer the mixing services. I just oversee them project manager Yeah, that line extension was possible because I had done such a great job at elimination automation and delegation That I was more efficient at mastering than I ever imagined I could be and the quality Of the work I was doing was better than I ever imagined it could be So I began to offer additional services Which on its surface you would look at and say oh well that's not niching down It is if you do it in the right order. That's true. Yeah, you got through the first four stages of
0: mastering, and then on stage five, pivot, you were able to do a line extension,
1: offer mixing services. Absolutely. So that line extension, you can do more than one thing, but you would be wise to focus on mastering one thing, no pun intended, before moving on to that second thing.
0: So we have line extension, but there's also, if you are just so damn happy about the stage you're at, you have a bunch of extra time and money and you want to pivot in some way that doesn't really pull you out of audio, you can still invest. You can take that income and you can invest to other areas. So that's one thing I've done is I've taken money from my studio. I've invested in real estate and that's something that is completely passive on my end, but it is something that does generate income for me. And so that is another area. You could be real estate. That's a little more risky. You can do mutual funds if you want something a little more safe. There's other alternative investments besides that they can bring in revenue. No, get out of here with that shit. Don't even talk about <laughs> Bitcoin. That's not investing. That's speculating. But you can just continue to pump money into other investment arenas that do bring in up income so you have this nice floor that you can never go below or you will really go below that you don't have in your business. Because in your business, if you stop working, you're not getting an income. But if you can properly invest you have residual income passive income that you get every single week every single month without fail hopefully <laughs> At least a lot less of a, a fluctuation than you would in the the business world
1: the next thing you could do the next pivot you could make is starting the second business which we talked about that's what i've done
0: and I started online education stuff Which is seems to be all the rage Um, but you have from shit to gold.com my mixing course you have the six figure home studio.com which is you know the other stuff i've been doing but we actually have a lot of examples of guys that have done this they've gone through all five stages they've pivoted into a second business and one of those guys a lot of you are familiar with and that's steven slate love him or hate him steven's yeah love him or hate him steven slate got his start in audio as a producer or mixing engineer i don't know a lot about his backstory to be honest with you i was not familiar with him until he started steven slate you know drum samples and that grew into plugins and now Slate digital is a massive company that has a lot of moving parts a lot of people working for him And he's the ceo
1: of slate digital or whatever his parent company is for all the things he does He is able to afford to purchase way more leather jackets than he was before he started a second business
0: and expensive haircuts (laughs) Uh, and so you know, Stephen Slate, none of this, I don't think any of this would have been possible had he not gone through these stages of his career. Now, maybe he didn't go through in the same way with the maximization that we did. Maybe he just cut it out and had savings and could start his business. Or maybe he just did it on the side at nights and weekends. We don't know what his journey looked like up until the point that he launched Stephen Slate drums. Maybe we can have him as a guest. Maybe we'll find out on a podcast episode. Yeah, actually. But he has definitely hit the pivot phase running full force and is making way more at Slate Digital than he ever has, I'm assuming, that he ever has at his uh, in his studio career. So that's one person. We have another person similar to them, and that's all the guys at URM, Unstoppable Recording Machine, or Nail the Mix, or whatever, they have a ton of companies. But Joey Sturgis, A.L. Levy, and Joe Wanasek, those three guys all did this as well. They had their careers, and they got to stage five and pivoted into the other areas. So they have Nail the Mix, which is a education website for mixing heavy music, uh, NailtheMix.com. They have plugins. They all have their own plugins. They have, you know, a whole bunch of other arid drum samples similar to the Stephen Slate thing, and uh, they're doing really, really well.
1: You know, one of the things to point out with this as well is that it's possible that some of these guys skipped maximization, or even skipped niching. That they got into audio, and that they eventually found their way to plugin plugin programming, or they eventually found their way to making microphones. You know that that the audio thing turned into a Sort of related but not audio engineering career and there's no shame in that
0: Yeah, and we don't know what they're like I said, we don't know everyone's journey is different We don't know if they went through these phases exactly how we line them up here Um, this is as close as chris and I could come to from both of our journeys that we could agree on with these five stages But without any disagreement steven slate joey Sergis, joel winasek all these guys Uh, and the people else we still have to talk about on this list These are all people that have pivoted out of the studio career into something else, into something new, into something that wasn't directly their studio. And that leads us to Graham Cochran. Graham Cochran at the recordingrevolution.com is a perfect example. He's pivoted twice now. He did the studio thing. He pivoted into the audio education. And now he's pivoted out of that into just general business education. And I think he's doing a great job. He's obviously had success with that. And that all started from his home studio.
1: Yeah. Hats off to him for that. There's an article in Business Insider that came out of a bunch of years ago, maybe three or four about grammar. He went into his business and it like dropped my jaw when he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do about $70,000 a year or excuse me, $70,000 a month. Month. Yes. And he
0: was, he used to be on food stamps. His family was on food stamps for a while. What a story. That, that story will be on our
1: show notes on the podcast page. Yeah. He's great. Um, the next guy, my hero, possibly your hero as well. Barry Gordy. Yeah. The first six figure home studio owner. <laughs> <laughs> what a stud. Barry Gordy leveraged his job at a Ford factory into uh, eventually being able to save up enough money and also borrowing money from family to start a small recording studio and then a label and then a talent development company and a publishing company and yada, yada. Well, actually, I think the publishing company might've come first, but he was able to leverage and pivot again and again and again and again and again until he had changed the face of modern music and made some money on the way.
0: Yeah, and our last guy here on our second business list is damn near a billionaire, <laughs> but he got his career start in in audio. Who is this
1: guy? Jimmy Iovine. If we could pick anyone to interview in the podcast, Jimmy would probably be the guy because I don't think anyone's ever been more successful at the things we're talking about than Jimmy Iovine. He engineered a lot of records that you know of. Google the guy, Jimmy I-O-V-I-N-E. Some, one of my favorite records he did one of the really big early tom petty records And he was instrumental as an engineer and a producer and guy's a stud. He eventually Went on to start many businesses Not the least of which was forming a partnership with dr. Dre to create beats headphones which you may have heard of Which you may have heard of and it, you've heard of
0: beats by dre, but you didn't know it was also beats by dre and jimmy iving.
1: Yeah, so jimmy Iovine. Probably when it's all said and done we will have made close to a cool billion dollars That's with a B with a B on that deal What a way to leverage your amazing audio ability to launch the I don't like beats, you know Full disclosure here, but I respect that he was able to create a business from scratch That nobody was selling over-the-ear headphones like beats They were stylish in a fashion statement when they came out with them and they blew up and they sold it to Apple Yes Woo for three billion, right? Was that the the number? I don't even know
0: man. I think it was one five whatever whatever it was a massive number and hats off to them and and everyone else we mentioned in our examples here because um, you know, maybe you don't ever pivot. Maybe you just stay in the niching down and that's fine Just pick your yeah pick your path But we just kind of laid out the five stages that we thought we could come up with here And the pivot part we thought that was a big part of it because you know a lot of times people don't think big enough They don't think about what is they're capable of doing And until you see it all laid out for you And when you see that it's maybe just five stages that you go from one stage to the next to the next to the next You can kind of identify where you are in these stages and what you need to do to get to where you want to be And then you realize holy shit after I get to my my business to the level I want it to be, my studio business, there is more out there to do. There is a lot of fun stuff to do in the business world, in the investment world, into the starting your own second business or whatever that happens to be. There's a lot you can do and it's a lot of fun. And we just kind of wanted to lay that out there for you.
1: Yeah, so this this was a fun episode. I think, you know, just to echo what Brian was saying, this is a choose your own adventure thing that ultimately it shouldn't just be about you becoming this legendary audio engineer. It should be about you becoming happy. And building the life that you want and nobody wants their tombstone to say, you know A damn good audio engineer, but just not a very happy person You know, I don't want that in my life. What a sour man, but he was pretty good at audio Yeah
0: (laughs) Pick and choose from this episode what you thought was good and what you just absolutely hated and just cast aside The stuff you hated and focus on the stuff you liked and that's pretty much all of our episodes
1: Yeah, so here's a quick ask for you guys. Um, the podcast has become I think I speak for brian one of the highlights of our week getting to record it and getting feedback from you guys If you would like more of the podcast if you'd like us to interview more people And hopefully get to a spot where we're interviewing You know these really 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 amazing experienced Entrepreneurs one of the best ways you could do to help us do that is to go on itunes and write us a review Of that five-star review goes a big way because if we reach out to jimmy Iovine And we say hey, I know you have a billion dollars and you can do whatever you want do you want to come on our little wimpy podcast? The first thing he's going to do is going to look at and see how many five-star reviews there are So if you want to make an investment in our podcast to continue your education by us finding people Who are smarter than we are to teach us all about this stuff Go on itunes and give us a five-star review You can
0: get there easily by going to the six slash review for anyone that has done that already You you are amazing and anyone that is going to do that You're also amazing anyone that hasn't done that yet the apathetic person that probably didn't even vote for their president (laughs) You Are on watch